Whatever we may think of Jesus of Nazareth, it is an undeniable fact that his teaching has had a profound impact on the world. We can still see, even today, the effect which Christian principles have had in shaping the culture, values and practices of parts of society. Everything which Jesus said was of the utmost importance. Therefore, I have to be selective today, but to choose is not to imply that some statements are less important than others. So what I propose to look at with you briefly today is some of the first recorded words of Jesus himself in the gospel records. These contain key messages which relate to his life and work. And then secondly, I should like to look at the elements to which he gave particular stress by using and attaching to them the word must. To use the word must suggests a compelling necessity. That is to say, it is not something optional or merely of interest, but something which is imperative and essential. So we shall follow these two pathways today. And we begin with Luke, because here, chronologically, we have the first recorded words of Jesus. And he said to them, that is to Mary and to Joseph, why did he seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He is 12 years of age, and these words to his mother and Joseph take the form of two questions. The occasion was a family pilgrimage from Nazareth in Galilee to Jerusalem for the annual feast. The party is returning home when Mary and Joseph discover that Jesus is missing. It had been a significant visit for Jesus. At 12 years of age, he was on the threshold of manhood for a Jewish boy. They refer to it today as their bar mitzvah, when the boy would become actively engaged in the feasts and in the festivals. When Mary and Joseph find him in the temple, amidst the doctors of the law, a place which years later Jesus should describe as his father's house. Look at what he says here. Why did you seek me? You of all people. Surely Mary would have remembered the uniqueness of his birth and the special circumstances which attach to it and who he actually is. And Mary was a woman of undoubted faith, and she had a godly home. 
but of course there were other children and family life was busy. So perhaps it was something put to the back of the mind. But look what Jesus now asks. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? My father, he says, here is a consciousness of identity, of a special relationship at this young and critical age. You see, this was not something that he gradually came to realise, as some have suggested, when he reached the age of 30. He knew when he was just 12 years old that God was his father. And secondly, he says, I must be about my father's business. He is conscious too of a son's duty. A true and a faithful son will seek as his first priority and desire to please his father. And it's interesting to see how the other translations render this phrase. The Revised Standard Version and the New International Version, for instance, put the question in this form. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Or Young's literal translation. Did you not know that in the things of my father, it behoved me to be? I had to be. Some 18 years before he enters into public life the irrepressible desire of a son to engage with his father's work and purpose is revealed. And there's an important message in that as well. There was never a hint of reluctant obedience on the part of Jesus. There was nothing grudging in the service which he would render. His son's duty to his father was not deemed as something irksome. He will exercise glad and willing obedience. And his very first words set the tone and the temper which were to mark his whole life. These are telling words. But as you see from the bits I've highlighted here, Mary and Joseph, for the moment, did not understand them. Mary pondered them. She kept them in her heart. And perhaps there's a further message in this. Words which Jesus speaks may not be understood straight away and all at once. All their full meaning and significance grasp. But if they are kept in the heart or retained in the thoughts, there is every likelihood that further light will come and shine on their truth. We come now to the first words of Jesus as recorded in Matthew's gospel record. And here is another significant moment. At the age of 30, Jesus comes to the banks of the River Jordan, 
where John, his cousin, was baptizing. Almost 18 years of, of relative silence have passed by. But at last, he comes to the beginning of his father's work and his public ministry. Then came Jesus from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptised by him. At first, uh, John is concerned about the matter and thinks he has no need to baptise Jesus. But look how he answers. He answers and says to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Two messages emerge here. And the first is that Jesus is indicating that his work is to do with righteousness. God's righteousness. And bringing that righteousness to men who were unrighteousness, who were unrighteous rather. But to accomplish this work, there is another thing. It necessitates his identity with men. And so he uses that plural pronoun us. Thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so he has to identify with men in order that men and women through him may have God's righteousness. I come now to Mark's gospel account. He follows the man of Nazareth into the region of Galilee, to the folk who lived in its villages and its towns. Now after John, that is of course John the Baptist, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So the subject at the heart of the teaching of Jesus is the kingdom of God. Promised beforehand in the writings of the prophets. There was a need for change in people's lives. A change of direction. Steadily. They had been going away from God. They were becoming further removed from him. And it was a time to turn back to him and to seek him. And Jesus says he's not come to call the righteous. That is those who were righteous in, his own, uh, in their own eyes. But sinners to repentance. And there was good news. His work was to bring God's forgiveness to men and women who would avail themselves of it through repentance and faith. So Jesus brought a message full of hope and joyfulness. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So we've looked at the first three Gospels as they report the first words of Jesus. Now we shall proceed 
to those statements to which Jesus attaches special significance and emphasis. We've seen the first one already. I must be in the things of my father. This is the must, as we've seen, of duty, of obedience, of dedication and devotion, given willingly and gladly and from the love of a son to his father. Now, here we are at the commencement of his ministry in Jerusalem. Another significant time. Jesus has been attracting no little publicity. And that triggers a private encounter with a man in the Jewish hierarchy, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the theme of the discourse with him is the kingdom of God. If you read the whole chapter, you will see the emphasis on that expression. But right at the outset of his ministry, we notice that Jesus both recognised and accepted the necessity of his death. Look what he says to Nicodemus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. As the context shows, this is a reference and a prediction of his future crucifixion. But look at the words he uses. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What a striking message this is. That men and women should have the prospect of eternal life through the work that necessitated his own death. An important point worthy of note here is this, that Jesus should die was not something that gradually dawned upon him with the grim reality that his work was not going to prosper because men turned against him. On the contrary, he announces it at the very beginning of his career. The end was clear before him at the start. The work of Jesus could not be accomplished unless he died. He could not be the saviour of the world unless he was the sacrifice for the sins of the world. We cannot explore it in detail now, but suffice it to say that his work involved declaring God's righteousness and meeting the necessities 
of sinful men. And this must indicates that on his part, there was no shrinking from it, no reluctant submission. He dies to save willingly because of love, love and obedience to God and because of his compassion for men and women. Now these here in John chapter 10 are words of Jesus spoken in immediate connection with his impending death. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. He has said that he is the good shepherd who is going to lay down his life for his sheep. And the message which may be drawn out of these words is this, that his death was not going to be an end, but rather a new phase of an ongoing work. Because he is the saviour, not of the Jews only, but of Gentiles too. There is another flock who are to be united under one shepherd. Them also I must bring. And there is an important message here. It is their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ which knits men together in unity, irrespective of nationality or race. But are there any conditions attached to that? Yes, there are. It's here in the verse. They will hear my voice. Those whom he brings take to heart the messages of his life and work, embracing them and responding to them in faith. So here is a must, which recognises the power of the cross of Christ and his triumph over death and over the grave to be the means of the reconciliation of all men. I should like to conclude with words of Jesus himself in his dialogue with Nicodemus in this same chapter in John chapter 3. And here we have a must that applies to us. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you 
must be born again. So there is the word, unless or except. Here is something necessary and essential. We have but touched the surface of vital, life-changing and life-giving messages on the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ as recorded in the Gospels. I hope this brief survey will encourage further exploration and prompt closer consideration of his gracious words. The Son of God has a vital message which is important to you and to me and we do well to heed it. So finally I would encourage you to open your Bibles and to read them. And the Christadelphians of Mumbles and elsewhere in South Wales will be more than willing to help and assist you in the reading of the Bible. Please view our websites as were indicated on the last slide, or if you will, please contact us by email. Thank you very much for your attention and your time.